Merry Christmas. I said it again, it's worth saying again, Merry Christmas. So glad you're here today. Welcome to those joining us online as well. Uh, what a, a great day to be able to hopefully stop and reflect a little bit about the greatness of God and that he would come to us. That Jesus was born, he was born in a manger. I had shared a couple of weeks ago in our Connection Point family Christmas, I talked about how the Christmas story is a story of hope and wonder. I shared how the shepherds, as God's messengers, they shared wonder, but they got to live lives of wonder. And those are the kind of lives that we are all invited to live. But I didn't talk much about the hope part. I, I said that it's a story of hope and wonder. And so what I want to do this morning is come back to the aspect of hope. That the Christmas story is, is truly one of hope. And why do we need to talk about hope? I think we live in a world where people are lacking hope. Maybe lacking hope in their present circumstances. Lacking hope for their expected future. And, and so I want to focus on hope and, and share that the hope that we have is it's not a temporary hope. It's not a momentary hope. It's an everlasting hope. And we need to live in that hope. In fact, hope is essential to life. There was some uh, researchers that wanted to test this theory that hope is essential to life. And so in the 1950s, uh, they ran an experiment to, uh, to test this. And, and what they did is they, they took some rats and they put them in these glass jars that were full of water. And they dropped them in and they wanted to see how long would they swim. And they swam and, and some of the first ones started to nosedive at the 30-minute mark. And they just gave up. They gave up. They didn't want to go on. And so then what they did is they, you know, pulled out the remaining and, and then they put in a new batch and, and wanted to test it a little bit different way. And, and so at the 25-minute mark, they took out those rats and they held them for a moment, let them catch their breath and, and put them back in. And they were curious, how long would they last? And they didn't last 30 minutes. They didn't last an hour. They didn't last two hours. They lasted days on hope, hope that they were going to be pulled out of that water again. Hope is a powerful thing. But there's hope kind of has a, a two-sided coin because here's the challenge. If we put our hope in the wrong thing, it leads to frustration, leads to anger, leads to anxiety, leads to stress, depression. If we put our hope in the wrong thing, we can wind up in a place that we are not meant to go to. You know, so the first thing we need to figure out this morning is, is where we put our hope. Is your hope in your job? You need to be honest with yourself today. Is your hope in your family? Is your hope in your retirement account? Is your hope in, in the kind of vacations your family takes? Is your hope in your education? Where is your hope today? Because where your hope is will determine the trajectory of your life. And it will determine the kind of joy-filled, wonder-filled life that you can live and that you're meant to live. Because where we're going to land today is that as we look at the Christmas story, we look at the story of God coming to us, hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And we need to grab a hold of that today. We need to not just believe it, we need to start living in that kind of hope. And so I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that help to highlight that for us today. We're going to look at John chapter 14 and Isaiah chapter 9. Because I want us to dive deeply into why is it, we kind of know that. And when I put the title up there, Hope Has a Name, and immediately you're like, well, I know the answer to that one. Of course, people feel like, I'm in church, the answer's always Jesus, you know. <laughs> but why is that? Why is it that he is our hope? And so I want us to define that today so that we don't just think it, we don't just intellectually understand it, but that we start to embrace the fact 
that Jesus is truly our hope. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you have a Bible. Why do we say that? We want you in God's word. I don't want you just in God's word today. I want you in God's word tomorrow. I want you in it on Tuesday. Read the Christmas story to your family before you open presents. And uh, you might want to choose a short passage depending on the age of your kids. So just consider that. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And we're going to look at John chapter 14 to help us figure that out today. So John chapter 14, we're going to read the first 14 verses. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We appreciate that God gave us his word to give us some good instruction. That we don't have a loose hope, we have a firm hope. And this passage is one that helps us see why. So John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus talking to the disciples, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Hey, if you're here with a troubled heart today, then Jesus has a word for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the words themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. These are the words of God. may be seated this morning. So we read through the Christmas story during our family Christmas. And in the Christmas story, we find angels singing, a baby in a manger, and shepherds and wise men worshiping. And the Christmas story shows us that the hope of the universe is a person. So I'm going to need your help this morning. I want to make sure we walk out of here with this message firm in our hearts. So when I say hope has a name, I need you to say, and his name is Jesus. It's not hard. So let's practice this morning. Hope has a name. Oh man, you guys got it this morning. Glad you got your coffee today. Hope was what the angels sang about. Hope lay in the manger. Hope caused Mary to wonder in her heart. It was hope the shepherds came to worship. And hope was presented with gifts from the wise men who had traveled so far. The Christmas story is a hope story because it chronicles the coming to earth of the one who is hope, Jesus. For a people born in evil and for a world damaged by evil, there simply could not be any other source of hope. Good education would not solve the problem. Benevolent government 
had no power to solve the problem. More and better laws couldn't penetrate to the source of the problem. People couldn't help one another and they surely couldn't help themselves. You see, the inescapable condition of evil, it infects every single human being and has scarred every aspect of the cosmos, which cried out for one thing and one thing alone, divine intervention. The only solution was a savior and the only suitable savior with the wisdom, power, and righteousness to accomplish the task would be God himself. And he would not come to set up an earthly kingdom and enforce his rule on the unwilling. He would not come to judge and condemn. He would not come demanding service that was his rightful due. No. He came to serve, to suffer, and to die so that his kingdom would reign. And where does his kingdom reign? In human hearts. He came to seek and to save. He came to suffer and forgive. He came to rescue and restore. He came to call, draw, and love those who without his grace would continue to live for themselves. God came. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And because he came, there is hope that we can be redeemed and the world can be changed. It really is true. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. Before Jesus went to the cross to do what he came to do, he detailed for his followers why he is the only hope that could ever give real and lasting hope to you and I. He made his identity and his mission clear when he said these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in these brief words, Jesus clearly explains why he is humanity's one and only hope. And not like the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi hope. Anybody like Star Wars? Obi-Wan Kenobi is not your only hope. Jesus is your only hope. I asked the first service. Nobody could give me an answer. Why didn't they make a Star Wars movie this Christmas? Anybody know? What? They got pushed off? It's disappointing. All right, Star Wars folks, maybe next, maybe next Christmas. See, Star Wars is not your hope. They don't show up at Christmas every year. <laughs> Jesus is their true hope. And I wanted to find why this morning. Jesus is true hope because he is the way to God. Jesus is true hope because he is the way to God. Sin or evil had created a horribly unnatural separation between God and the people that he had created. When you look back at the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you find that God created people to dwell in loving, worshipful, moment-by-moment fellowship with him. That's what we were created for. And the good news is, read Revelation. That's what we get to go back to. So then the question is, in the meantime, what needed to happen? We were not designed to live independently. We were not made to figure out life on our own. That's not our design. We were meant to live according to God's will and for his glory. So the great question of human history was, how will this gulf between people and God ever be bridged? That was the question creation was crying out for. And the answer was God coming to us. Jesus came as the only possible answer to that question. He could meet God's moral requirement in every way 
by keeping his law without one instance of failure. Only God could do that. He would be the final lamb of sacrifice, paying the ultimate penalty for our sin. In his perfect life and acceptable death, he became the only way to restore relationship with God. He would return things to the way they were created to be. Jesus is the way to a relationship with God. Have you been reconnected with your creator? That's what he came to do. Do you have a strong relationship with God through Jesus, the son? If not, make a decision to follow Jesus today. Hope has a name. That's right. Hope has a name. It is. Jesus is true hope because he is the truth from God. Jesus is true hope because he is the truth from God. It's no exaggeration to say that Jesus came to earth as God's ultimate and final sermon. He came as God's final message. He didn't just communicate God's truth. He was and is God's truth. First, in a way that we had never seen before, Jesus revealed the Father to us. He made the Father's character clear. So clear, here's what he could say. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. What an incredible statement. But there's more. He revealed God's redemptive plan to us. Hanging on the cross, Jesus demonstrated how God planned to deal with our sin, our evil hearts. He sent a Savior to die in our place. Jesus is our substitute. The coming of Jesus showed the truth about our condition, that we were in a state of impending doom without any ability to rescue ourselves. So God sent Jesus as the ultimate physical reminder of the depth of our need. And the good news is, Jesus meets our needs. He met it on the cross. He solved the problem of our spiritual separation from God. He bridged the gulf that was created when Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, as recorded in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus is truth. But do you know him this way? As we're working through this series in Luke, if, you're, if you've been in Connection Point for a little while, we're going through this series, we're reading the words of Jesus, we're looking at his life, and the question then begins to, you got to ask yourself is, if what he says is truth, are you starting to live in that truth? If it's truth, shouldn't we live in it? If he's truth, shouldn't we follow his example? Are you embedding truth in your life? Believe the words of Jesus as truth. Hope has a name. Hope has a name. Do we believe it today? Jesus is true hope because he is life. Jesus is true hope because he is life. Jesus doesn't just talk about life or provide life. He is life. Paul, a follower of Jesus, he's writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. And what he, he says, he says, you were dead. So he's talking to the believers there. You were dead. And the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. And here's the deal. Dead people need life breathed into them, or they will never rise and live again. And Jesus came to be that life giver. Jesus is life. He came to conquer the ultimate result of evil, which is death. His resurrection was the first fruit of a myriad of resurrections to come. As by his grace, his spirit would breathe new life into all who put their trust in him. You get God's breath in you if you consider that. 
He came as life to defeat the power of death and ignite eternal life in the hearts of his redeemed children. Jesus is life. And from Isaiah's prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, we find he's life in so many wonderful and hope-filled ways. Here's what it says, Isaiah writing. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Who can say amen to that? On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's zeal will make this happen. I think there's no more stirring or encouraging prophecy of the birth of Jesus than this one. I love this prophecy. Isaiah is saying, hope has a name. And what is it? And he is hope for so many reasons. Isaiah, with wonderful words, he declares to us that Jesus is all we need. He's the only thing that can bring us real, lasting, and true hope. He's the only solution to the evil that exists in our world. Long before we were born, God appointed for us the one who would be the remedy for every symptom of the evil that would infect us all. And what does Isaiah say? Here's what he says about this hope-filled person that came. The government would rest on the shoulders of Jesus. What do we all need? We actually need to be freed from the bondage of self-rule. You ever considered that? We're not, we don't rule ourselves very well. And so God sent his son. And who is his son? He is everything that is good, right, true, and loving. And he said, I will establish my rule over your life and it will be good. Jesus came to liberate us from the kingdom of darkness and transport us to the kingdom of love and light. That's a good government. Jesus would be a wonderful counselor to us, it says. You see, unfortunately, as we live in this world, Evil reduces us to a place where we can't understand the ways of God. We can't understand that we look at the world inside out and upside down. We look at what is false and we think we see truth. We look at what is foolishness and we think it might be wisdom. And at the epicenter of that is a denial of our need of God. That's foolishness. So as our wonderful counselor, Jesus comes to rescue us from our own foolish hearts and he counsels us on the good things of God. What else does Isaiah say? Says Jesus would unleash almighty power on our behalf. Sin or evil, it doesn't just reduce us to the place of thinking of foolish things, it renders us unable to do anything about it. So Jesus came to do by divine power what we could not do ourselves. Evil causes us to be unable to do what God designed us to do, to be who he wants us to be. So Jesus says, with all of God's power, I will empower you to be the person that you are meant to be by God's design. Jesus unleashes God's power to defeat sin and death and empower us to desire and to do what we would not be able to do without him. What else does Jesus do as he comes? He would lavish fatherly care. Jesus, by his life, death, and resurrection, he welcomes us to his family. 
He is the door by which we have access to God. He lavishes his fatherly love and we are blessed with all the rights and privileges of being his children. No longer separated, lost, alienated or alone. I find it interesting we live in a world that's never been more connected, but people have never been more lonely. And Jesus came to correct that. He says, you're not alone. You're a son, you're a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that you are welcome into God's family. Jesus' reign would be righteous in every way, in a sin-broken world where all our lives are touched by the corruption, selfishness, and injustice of those who rule us. It is sweet comfort to know that the one who would establish his rule over us is righteous all the time in every possible way. He's the best king. It's wonderful to know that all corruption and injustice, it will end someday. And he will rule over us in perfect righteousness forever. Because Jesus' rule will never, ever end. How sweet it is to know that the blessing of the grace of the king who was to come would never, ever end. His loving grace and mercy will never grow weary. His grace will never run out. Praise you, Jesus. He would rule in grace, giving us every needed grace now and for all eternity. This means that hope now and hope then would no longer rest on our wisdom. Our hope does not rest on our strength, on our performance, on our track record. It doesn't rest on that. It rests on God's unstoppable grace. And God would make sure that all of these things would happen. And why can we bank on Isaiah's promises? That everything that Jesus says, what he prophesied, what Isaiah prophesied, what Jesus came to do, how do we know it'll happen? Because God placed his zeal upon every one of these promises. So what does that mean? It means he will unleash his almighty power and authority to guarantee that all that was promised in the birth of Jesus would be delivered to each and every one of his children. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. With all of my power and all of my strength, these things will happen, says God. There is nowhere, and I mean nowhere, that you and I can look to find better news than this. Much more than decorations, gifts, and lots of food, this season is about hope that is carried into the world on the shoulders of Jesus. Hope has a name. It is. So what have you put your hope in today? Are you frustrated or stressed in life because you've put your hope in the wrong thing? I encourage you, put your hope in Jesus today. He's the only thing that can bring true and lasting hope. Jesus is true hope. Jesus is true hope. Put your hope and trust in him today to live a life of meaning and purpose from now into all of eternity. Hope in the here and now and hope in the great forever that is to come, it rests on one set of shoulders. It rests on the almighty shoulders of Jesus who is for you today the way, the truth, and the life. He offers you what you have no power to provide for yourself. Restored relationship with God, this is what Jesus offers. You can be right with God. A knowledge of what really is true in a world where truth is hard to come by. And life that will never end. 
And this is real hope. What could your life look like if you had hope in the right thing? What could your marriage look like, your relationships with others, if you were living a hope-filled life instead of a discouraged one? You were meant to live a hope-filled life. And that happens as you put your complete hope and trust in Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. As we close today, I want you to consider what you've put your hope in. Where's your hope today? If it hasn't been in Jesus, as we close in song, may you sing and declare that you want your hope in him today, our faithful one. But maybe you're here today and and you've never put your hope in Jesus because you've never made a decision to follow him, that you've never said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus, I want to I want to become a follower of his. And so that's why you've lacked hope in your life and why you might be living a life of discouragement and frustration. But that's not God's design for you. God's design is for you to live a life of hope and wonder. Absolutely. So maybe you've been living that life, but today you'd say, you know what, I want to live differently. I want to live a different kind of life. I want to live a hope-filled life today. And you have that opportunity before you leave today. So with every head bowed in this room, I just want to ask, if if that's you today, and you'd say, I want to live a hope-filled life, I want to know that hope is the name of Jesus. I want to put my hope in him today. I just invite you to raise your hand so I can pray with you before you leave today. That God would fill you with his hope today. Up here in the front, anybody else that would say, I want to live a hope-filled life today? Anybody would say, that's me over here on the left. Anybody else would say, I want to live a hope-filled life today? I want to live with hope. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow. And I want to live in that hope by making a decision to follow Jesus. God, we just thank you for those that responded by raising their hands. They get hope today. Hope for today and hope for tomorrow, knowing that Jesus, you came. And you came to bridge that gap, that separation that we have without you. And so God, I just pray that they would get a sense of that hope today. Help them feel the hope they have in you. God, I just pray that they would live with hope following you, Lord, as they keep their eyes on you. As you continue to help them journey in their faith with you. And God, I pray for each and every one in this room. Maybe they've made a decision to follow you, but maybe their hope has been displaced. So today I pray that they firm it back up and put their hope in you. You as their true hope today. And God, as we start to live those hope-filled lives, I, I pray as we get questions, how do you live with that kind of hope? I pray that we'd have the answer. The answer is you. Be able to point people to you, Jesus. Not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Thursday. God, I just pray that your name be glorified in us as we live out your will for our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark, our youth pastor, to the front. If we could have a couple of the prayer team members come. We had a couple of people raise their hands. If you raise your hand this morning, what we want to do is give you your first uh, Christmas present today. We want to give you the, the gift of God's word, give you a Bible. And we want to be able to talk with you to say, hey, here's how you follow Jesus for a lifetime. It's a decision in a moment, but it's also the journey with Jesus from now. Your life in Jesus starts now and carries into eternity. So if you raise your hand, what we're going to ask as we begin to sing and pray, just come down to the front. Meet with one of our prayer team members. They'll give you a Bible and information on where you go from here with that decision to follow Jesus. For the rest of us, I pray that as we sing, if you have displaced your hope, may you place it in Jesus. May you place it firmly in him before you leave this place today. Let's sing.